Some of the words which we heard just a moment ago from uh, Matthew's Gospel are words which are probably familiar to you. Come unto me, um, all you that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. Words uh, that come from the portion of the service and the communion service we call the comfortable, uh, the comfortable words. And share with you a little bit about how they, how they got there as we reflect tonight on what the lessons have to say to us uh, about about the character of God, about the good news of God's character and relationship with you and with me and, and the good news that that brings um, to our lives. There was a gentleman uh, back in the 16th century by the name of Thomas Bilney. Uh, and Bilney was actually he was sort of one of the quiet um, English reformers. I don't know if you can be a quiet reformer, but he was sort of a sort of a sort of a humble um, uh, sort of a, just a, a servant, a faithful servant uh, ministry, a, a humble individual, uh, ultimately was martyred. But one of the things that Billy uh, ran across, one of the issues which he was experiencing was while he was a student at Cambridge, he was ordained in 1519, and while he was a student there, it was coming time for him to receive communion. And he was um, very concerned about that because he felt to take it unjustly would, would condemn himself. And so he was, um, he was, to say the least, anxious about that. And he was anxious just in general about um, his spiritual state in relationship with God. And not only his spiritual state in relationship with God, but just the fact that he felt stuck. Um, you know, there's the, there's the myth in the Christian life of progress, you know, that we're going to get better and better um, every day. Um, you know, doggone it, I'm going to be better than I was yesterday, and, you know, it's going to be this upward. And, and of course, the Scripture tells us some pride goes before the fall. Um, so, But all the same, we think, you know what, I should be getting better and better every day. And Billy was wrestling with the fact that uh, his inability um, to um, control his heart, his inability to control his mind, the distance he felt existed between himself and God, and, and, a, and a distance that he genuinely um, desired to close. He desired that close relationship with God. He desired that fellowship with God, that intimacy with God. And he was a man of his times. And so what he did to try and address that gap and close that gap was to avail himself of the various opportunities of the day, paying for masses and indulgences and holding vigils and fasting and going on pilgrimages, basically um, performance-based efforts to try and close the gap between he and God and draw closer um, to God. And it, it, throughout all of that, felt himself not any closer, but in fact, farther from God until uh, he became desperate and he actually went and purchased uh, some contraband. And this may sound goofy to you, but contraband at that time was Erasmus's translation of the New Testament in Greek. Um, that was, you know, I think about my kids in contraband, it's not Greek New Testaments um, that I'm thinking about. It was a different deal um, during that time. They didn't want the scriptures uh, in the hands of the people. Big Brother knew for you. Um, you just go ahead and listen to us and you follow um, these rituals that we prescribe for you and, and, and you might make it, um, in essence, was what they were offered. And he began to read through um, the New Testament, particularly the pastoral epistles of Paul. And he came across those words which Paul wrote to Timothy. Um, the good news that Christ Jesus, this is a true saying and worthy of all men to be received, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief, um, Paul wrote. And so Thomas Bilney began to read through discovering these words of the gospel and realizing that salvation comes to you and to me and that hope comes to you and to me and that life comes to you and to me based not on our performance but on what God has done 
um, once and for all in Jesus Christ. The reality that salvation is a gift of God given to the people of God, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And that began to um, shape and fashion not only his life alone, but then he began to have an impact on others, uh, one of whom obviously Thomas Cranmer, who put together um, for the most part, the architect uh, of our prayer book, the presence of the comfortable words. Um, and so I share all of that with you because we have before us in the scriptures this evening this wonderful lesson from Zechariah and also from Matthew's gospel as well. And in both of these we see uh, a people um, who are burdened. Uh, a people who are burdened, a people who desire to have hope, who desire to have change in their lives, um, who desire to have a relationship with God. But the challenge for them is a challenge which is just basically so often endemic to the human condition, and that is they're, they're placing their hopes in the wrong places. Uh, they're thinking something will deliver them that ultimately will not and will leave them more bound. And what I'm referring to is this. In the first Zechariah, we hear this wonderful word of prophecy given to Zechariah. The people um, are uh, they're, they're, they're still oppressed. They've returned from Babylon. Uh, they've been back in Jerusalem for 20 years, and things were better for a while, um, but now they're no longer. Um, again, not to... Uh, not to ride this in the ground, but kind of like the human condition. You know, we were a little better, but now we just seem to be back where we were um, before. We were making some progress, and now it just seems like we're stuck and going nowhere. They'd laid the foundation for the temple, but it had gone no further. They'd rebuilt some of the city, but then it had run into, I don't know, budget uh, issues in actuality because their current landlords, um, the Persians, were increasing the taxes in preparation for war um, with Egypt. So... Um, they found themselves stuck. They found themselves um, um, overtaxed. They found themselves no longer sort of gaining any ground in their spiritual reform uh, and renewal. And of course, people being people, they thought, you know what, we, we need a change. And you know what's going to do it? A new king. Uh, if we could get a new king, um, then things would be different for us. And we could be hopeful again. We could be um, free again. And, and we could begin to be uh, we can begin to have the life that we know God desires for us to have. And so what we need is a new king, we need a new general, and they need to come in and to drive out the Persians. Um, but the wonderful thing we see in this, what was true for them and what's true for you and for me as well, and it sounds cliche to say it, um, but it's, it's true, is you know, we, we think we know what we need, uh, and we think we know what's best for us. Uh, and the amazing thing we see in the Scriptures is that God is alive and at work, uh, and quite frankly, and quite wonderfully, God has a much better idea of what we need than we know ourselves. Uh, and God so wonderfully delivers, often in ways that are different than what we envisioned, but far better than what we had envisioned as well. Uh, years ago, uh, someone uh, here in the parish whom you probably knew, he moved back here. He had been working out in California, and he told that he's told this story. He told this story on a number of different occasions, and I remember being so captivated by it. He returned back to work for this venture capital group and um, you know, he came back to this group and the challenge was is that it seemed like you know, the rest of the group had knowledge that he just wasn't privy to. He was sort of on the outside uh, of all of that. As you might imagine, that was a frustrating thing to think, you know what, I've moved all the way back here and you're sort of keeping me on the outside of all of this. Uh, there's this inner circle of which I'm not a part. And he said he tried to break through to no avail. He, he prayed about it. You know, Lord, can you just break down this barrier? You know, we've moved back across the country, back here. I'm left out. Can you move this barrier? Can you get me in? And it, 
that prayer um, was never answered. It never worked out. He went and ended up leaving uh, and working with another group. And, and I laughed as he told the story. He said the, the group and the people that were excluding were Richard Scrushy, um and some others. And it was kind of one of those, as he looked back, he said, you know what, Lord, thank you. Um, thank you for not answering that prayer. Not that I would have gone down that path, but you know what? Sometimes, Lord, those prayers are better left um, unanswered uh, and directing us in different directions. I share all that with you because what we see in Zechariah, they say, you know what, we need a new king, we need a new general. And God says, you know what, it's not going to be by the chariot. It's not going to be by the battle bow. It's not going to be by horse. It's not going to be by armies. It's not going to be by human might um, that y'all are going to be delivered. And, of course, the words are the words spoken of the coming of Jesus, the man of peace, who would ultimately come and give them and give us a freedom, uh, which all the sort of realm change otherwise could never give them, to actually give us a real and living hope, which nothing can take away from us, to actually give us um, a freedom, uh, which is beyond anything we could have hoped and dreamed for or longed for, a freedom that's not taken away by our circumstances, but something that's bigger and broader uh, and deeper than that. And ultimately what we see as well in this portion uh, from Matthew's Gospel is it's given to you and to me, not uh, by any sort of prescribed practices to follow, but it's given to us in a person, uh, in the person of Jesus. Jesus came and the people were still burdened. Uh, they were still burdened with a legalistic religion, trying to measure up and to close that gap with God, trying to get closer um, to God, trying to find hope, trying to find um, freedom and putting burden upon burden upon themselves. And cutting through all of that, Jesus comes and says, you know what, you people can't be pleased. Uh, John comes uh, and he's fasting. You say there's something wrong with him. And, and I show up and I'm eating and drinking. And you say, well, there's something um, wrong with me. And Jesus says wonderfully that uh, it's not by human wisdom, nothing wrong with human wisdom, nothing wrong with uh, learning, nothing wrong with gifts. But what he says is this, uh, this life, this freedom, this hope is available to all. And it's not something which is accomplished by only the wise and the few. It's something that's given to any who will receive it. Because ultimately, we see what's given to the people uh, is a person. Uh, it's the person of Jesus Christ. God comes into the world and he says, Come unto me, all who are weary and are heavy laden, I will refresh you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy, my burden uh, is light. I'm humble and gentle uh, in spirit. You know, wonderfully, the reality is, um, as you know, uh, as as, as Bob Dylan, slow train coming, uh, made known to us, uh, everybody's got to serve somebody. Um, we're all serving something. We're all um, chasing something. What Jesus offers to us is this, is a real hope and a real free freedom, and it's found in relationship with him. And the wonderful thing is it doesn't take us out of life. It doesn't take us out of work and relationships and all the blessings and the trials and tribulations, just all the various facets of life. But what we're told is that we have one with us. Um, who's leading and guiding and directing us through all of that. And we can have a hope and a certainty and a freedom knowing that when things aren't turning out the way that we think they should, um, when things aren't falling into place the way that we think they should, um, that we can be joyful and hopeful and peaceful. Why? Um, because Jesus is Lord. Uh, because he's the one who's ultimately secured the victory. It's not left up to you and to me. It's something which he accomplishes for us once and for all in his cross and his resurrection. What was pointed out in Zechariah long before, it's by the blood of the covenant um, that we return to our stronghold as prisoners of hope, um, people who are ultimately bound 
um, by hope. So I pray that you'll hear again um, the good news given to you and to me. God has come forth into the world to seek us, that we might be people who are free and people who are hopeful. And it's not something that we attain by our accomplishments. It's a gift given to us that we receive by faith. And that by taking the yoke of Jesus upon ourselves, we have one who walks with us, but also one who goes before us. Uh, And for that reason, we can be hopeful, we can be free, um, we can be certain. And as we hear that, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks and praise that you know our needs better than we know them ourselves. And so, Lord, we come to you this night and we offer you our lives uh, in all of their totality, uh, our hearts and our minds and our lives to you, most gracious God, and pray that your yoke would be placed upon us and that we would find it easy uh, and that we would find it light and that in you, most gracious God, we would find rest for our souls. And this we ask in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen. Amen.